Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Well, good morning. My name is Mark, and now you're awake. That was our goal in, in playing that, was just to basically scare you and freak you out. And so hopefully that was the, that was the case there. I hope you got a chance to, uh, to grab some popcorn. And I hope you're, you're going to enjoy our, our new series, Movement at the Movies. We all love movies. Uh, some of you might be the kind of people that, that wait in line, uh, buy your tickets early, go to the, the early premiere. Some of you might be the kind of person uh, that, that likes to hide in your basement and, and watch Netflix. You might be the kind of person that just likes to, to share movies with, with some immediate friends. Uh, but most of us have our favorites. Most of us have a movie uh, that in some way just we, we've connected with, whether it's laughing or crying, and we love, and we love to, to go back over the storyline and the plot development and the characters and, and rehash what happened and talk about uh, how there was just that little nuance or that little flip and how something uh, kind of blew our mind and, and made us uh, just really realize uh, something about our personality, something about our life that, that we didn't know. And uh, our, our purpose in, in doing this, this sub, excuse me, summer series movement at the movies is not to, uh, not to make you think that we watch movies and that we draw theology out of them. That is not the case. We, we read the Bible. We get our theology from that. We know that the Bible speaks truth. Uh, but we do think that it's interesting that sometimes there are movies that can point out or can elevate and can even show uh, some neat truths that we find in God's word. And so our goal for the summer uh, is just to highlight that, where faith and film, where movies and, and God's word collide and, and celebrate those things together. And so today we're going to start uh, with a powerhouse movie that almost made me cry when I saw it in the theater with my kids. So uh, I'm embarrassed to admit this, uh, but the movie that we want to, uh, to do today was kind of the inspiration for this series, and the movie uh, is, is Inside Out. And so if you haven't seen Inside Out, let me just tell you that it's a little deeper than it looks on the surface, all right? And uh, there's a lot going on there as it references and talks about emotions and, and uh, kind of what's going on in our heads. So here is, uh, here is what IMDb has to tell us about Inside Out. It's a 2015 American 3D computer animated comedy drama adventure film. Sounds pretty high tech, huh? By Pixar Animation Studios and released worldwide by Walt Disney Pictures, the film is set in the mind of a young girl named Riley Anderson, where five personified emotions, joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust, try to lead her through life from inside her brain as her parents move from Minnesota to San Francisco and as she has to adjust to a new life. So without further ado, this is a small piece of Inside Out. So that is a, a small taste of, of Inside Out. And I know that all of us are not animated people. I know that we're all not 11-year-old girls. But if you are an 11-year-old girl, shout out to you. Thanks for being here today. Uh, but I, but I, like I said, I, I think that we can all take away uh, something a little more uh, from that movie. Because we see the, the battle going on uh, in Riley's inner, inner head and inner emotions that, that sometimes she's happy. Sometimes she wants to be joyful. Sometimes she feels anger. Sometimes she feels sadness. Sometimes she feels disgust. And there's a, there's a game of emotions and a lot of different things going on in her heart and in her head and in her life. And I mentioned that we're not all 11-year-old girls, but I think if you're being honest today, you could probably admit that maybe you've felt one or two different emotions this week, right? If you're married, maybe you've even experienced three emotions this week, right? Maybe, maybe at some point you had a, a slight disagreement or a smart ar- slight argument, or maybe, maybe you didn't uh, find yourself super pleased with your boss this week. At some point uh, in our lives, we feel emotions, and, and yet we, we look at Christians, and we look at what Scripture says, and, and we're supposed to be happy. That's what we're taught, and that's what we think, right? We're supposed to feel joy. And so what about the times that we don't feel joy? What about the times we don't feel like smiling? What about the times we don't just jump out of bed and say, I love God, and I love my life, and here we go with the day? 
Well, I think we want to we check out a, a passage of scripture today and, and kind of see what, what the Bible has to say about our joy and about our emotions. And so I want to invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. If not, there's probably one under your seat or on the seat next to you. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to be on page 483. If you've got one of the Bibles in front of you there. Page 483. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 18 to 25. And just looking at what scripture has to say about joy and about our emotions. Proverbs 4, 18 to 25, page 483. You can follow along. I want to read it, and then we'll look at some different things together. Here's what it says in verse 18. It says, The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines even brighter, ever brighter, until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Those are the words that are, that are said to us that are passed down through God's word to give us wisdom, to give us a way that, that we can live life, a way that we can approach life. And I love that verse 18 and 19, I'm going to read that again. It says this, the way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the first light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. I find that passage kind of interesting because I, I think for, for many of us, we, we would say that, all right, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I've made a, a decision to follow Jesus. I've given him my life. I've grown up in a Christian family. I've grown up in the church. Maybe, maybe that's not you, but I think a lot of people would say that, and so they would think, like, I'm secure in this thing. That can't be taken away. Jesus can't be taken away from me. I'm not going to lose my salvation if I had a bad day, and yet this passage references two ways. And so it references, I believe, the fact that there are days that we wake up and we kind of choose to not walk in the Spirit. We alluded to that if you were here last week. We said that, that we have to steer our lives by the Spirit and not just by our feelings and our emotions. And so even though we're Christians, even though we're Christ followers, even though you may say, I'm committed to following God with my life, this passage basically says, yeah, but there, there are two ways you can go with any day. You can wake up and you can introduce light into your world, into the things that you're going to be a part of, just like when we see the sunrise coming up over the, the horizon and we see that light peeking through and and, and broadcasting to the world and it gets brighter throughout the day or we can choose a, a way of darkness we can choose a way where we're where we're stumbling over things we're kicking things we're stubbing our toe there are two ways that we can react that we can live when we get out of bed we have a choice to walk in the spirit each day to be light for our world and so I want to uh, present this big idea for us today if we have a choice to choose a, a way of light and a way of darkness I want to I want us to just know that joy isn't a destination in life, it's a path that you choose to walk. Joy isn't a destination in life, it's a path that you choose to walk. So how do we do that? How do we choose to walk in joy? How do, how do we take this path of, of light because we don't want to be stumbling through things and stumbling over things? Well, verse 22 says this, my child, pay attention to what I say, listen carefully to my words, don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them, and healing to their whole body. 
What kind of word can, can be given to us? What kind of word can, can be said to us that, that can penetrate our heart and our body and our mind and our spirit? Well, anyone who was a, a Christ follower, anyone uh, who, who knows the, the saving words of, of Jesus, that he came and gave his life so that you and I could have life, so that we could live our lives for him, we know that as, as the gospel. The gospel is a word that can come into our life, come into our heart, penetrate our life, penetrate our heart, make a difference, change our operating system, and lead us. So the author here is saying, don't lose sight of what the gospel has meant to you. Don't lose sight of the fact that no matter what you've done, Jesus came and gave his life for you so that you could have eternal life, so that you could know him, so that you could have relationship with God the Father, so that you could live for him. If we keep our eyes on that, that will penetrate our life and our heart. That will heal us. That will restore us. That will drive us. Verse 23, my favorite verse here, it simply says this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So we have a a really good feel-good sentence there. Joy is in the destination in life. It's a path that you choose to walk on. But how do you wake up every day, no matter what has happened, no matter what's taken place, no matter where you are, how do you choose to live in joy? How do you choose to walk in joy, to walk in the Spirit? The first thing is right there. Number one, guard your heart. How do you choose to walk in joy? You guard your heart. And we might have different images that, that come to mind when we think of the word guard. I went to a small college that couldn't afford police and wasn't allowed to have them, and, and they had security guards, and so it was kind of like uh, cops from Mayberry, if you remember a certain show that had some cops, a cop named Barney that nobody respected. That's sometimes what I think of when I think of security guards, and yet we know the job of a security guard and a, a true guard is, is, is really, really important. It's far beyond that. A security guard is supposed to watch something, right, to take care of it, to look over it, to not let people in that aren't supposed to be in, to not let people out that aren't supposed to be out. And so when we say guard our heart, we're supposed to be watching over our heart. A security guard has a barrier, establishes a barrier for something that can't be stolen or for an area it's supposed to protect, and things that aren't supposed to go on don't go on if they're doing their job. So guard your heart. But what is your heart? I mean, are we talking about the actual organ? Because we kind of think that our rib cage does that, right? So we don't, have, we don't have a lot to do. We don't really have to guard our heart. Nothing's going to get in there. And yet, when the Bible speaks about our heart, it's kind of a, a universal term. Scripture, scripture really isn't just referring to our heart. It's talking about our, our reasoning. It's talking about our thinking. It's talking about our emotions. It's talking about our inner being. And so when scripture refers to our heart... It's talking about who we are. The heart is the depository of all wisdom, and it's the source of who we are that affects everything that we say, everything that we see, everything we pursue, and, and all of the ways that we conduct our, ourselves. Our heart is everything. And so our heart will control what we say, what we look at, and what we do. Your heart Your mind, one universal term, will control what you say, what you look at, and what you do. And so we're supposed to guard all of that. Because whatever is in our heart flows into our lives. Whatever is in your heart 
will evidence itself in the way that you live. So how do you guard your heart? Well, if your heart and your mind are one and the same, you have to guard your mind. That doesn't mean that you can guard your thoughts completely. You've probably had a a moment at some point, maybe when you were younger, where you thought, I want to kill my little brother. Does that mean that, that you're a terrible person because you wanted to kill them? No, but you were able to guard that thought and say, you know what, I don't really want to kill that person. That's not logical. Some would even say it's against the Bible and it's a sin. And so I'm going to just dismiss that thought and, and let it go. That's kind of a, a joke, right? And yet all of us have thoughts that enter our mind and enter our lives day to day and week to week that we need to guard. Hey, you'd be happier over here doing this. Hey, no one will notice if, if, you, if you take some money from work or if you need to do this to take care of yourself. We have, we have thoughts that come into our minds that, that sometimes we just need to dismiss them. We just need to say, that's not who I am. That's not who God has called me to be. That does not agree with what God has said in his word, and so we need to let that go. But sometimes we let those thoughts stick around. And we let those thoughts fester and we let them creep into our mind and we focus on them and we think about them and we give our attention to them. And as something enters our thoughts, sticks around in our mind, takes hold in our heart, becomes a part of our emotions, eventually it evidences itself through our actions. And so what does it mean to guard your heart? It simply just means to dismiss thoughts, dismiss things that shouldn't be there, that are against God's will, things that you shouldn't be thinking, things that don't need to be in there. Establish a barrier, establish a border, decide that no one, nothing, no thought is going to get in that doesn't belong there and that you're not going to let the thoughts that do belong there out. You're not going to let them escape or let them get away because you're guarding them. Guard your heart. Guarding your heart begins with guarding your mind. Guarding your mind is actually guarding everything that you think about, everything that you focus on, everything that you do, and everything that you act out. And guard the things that you say, because your mouth and your speech direct your heart. The things that you say are the things that are taking hold in your life. And so if you don't mean something, don't say something. If you shouldn't be focusing on something, Don't talk about something. Don't compliment that something. If you don't want to end up doing something, don't reference that something. Because our words and our speech have power and they direct our attention and our our attention directs our emotions and our emotions direct our heart and direct the things we do and the things that we live out. Give attention to the things that you should give attention to, the things of God, the things that he has called you to do, the things that he has blessed, the things that he has put in your life. Focus on those things and, and guard your heart. And you might think that, that you don't have time to, to do that. As I talk about this, as you talk about feelings and emotions and your innermost being and all that stuff, it, it sounds really stressful, right? And yet here's a list of things that, that I gave attention to this week that I think a lot of people in the room gave attention to this week. I gave a lot of attention to my Instagram feed, right? And probably 12 other apps that I open too. I could name drop them all to make you feel guilty, but you get the point, right? We pay attention to our phone. We pay attention to social media. We guard that. What about your retirement account? Some of the tough guys in the room were like, I don't even have Instagram. And now I bring up retirement. And they're like, oh, I do have that. Okay. Yeah. I do kind of worry about money. That's, that's who we are, right? 
We, we guard things. So you may guard social media. You may guard your retirement account. You may guard your TV, that special one in the basement that's only, only for you, right? The kids don't get to watch it. Or you guard your TV. You guard your viewing hours. Some of us guard our kids because they need sunscreen, right? Some, we, we guard them. We look over them. Maybe it's bug spray. Maybe it's something. But we're watching out for our kids. We're keeping an eye on our kids, right? Heaven forbid that someone should even look at them or a mosquito would come within like 12 feet of them. We're going to kill that mosquito, right? And we guard ourselves from gluten, some of us. We guard ourselves from carbs. We guard ourselves from dairy and soy and iron and vitamins. We, we look at those things. Sometimes we focus on them. Sometimes we chase them away. But we watch all of those things. We guard those things. So we watch what comes into our life, into our mind, and into our emotions, and into our feelings about those things, and, and yet we can't guard our heart. We can't guard our innermost being when God has called us to do that because he wants us to choose a path of joy daily to honor him and live for him. We can do that. There's a lot of things that we guard. Go ahead and add your heart to the list. Guard your heart. Guard your thoughts. Guard your emotions. Guard your innermost being. And don't let anything in. I read an article recently. Uh, there's a, a guy named John Mayer, a musician. Most of you probably know him. He's dated almost every famous woman in the world, and so he's pretty popular for that. He also sings songs, uh, but most people have forgotten that, uh, kind of like Kanye. But anyway, once upon a time, he was a respected musician. And uh, I saw an article that he, he, he moved to uh, Montana recently as he was going to record an album because he wanted to get away from the noise. He wanted to get away from everything. He wanted to guard his life and just all the stuff that had gone on. He wanted to grow up, and he wanted to get past that. And yet he said his first couple days there, he would, he would jump online and, and read stuff. And inevitably, he would, he would follow some link that would say, like, John Mayer's life is a train wreck. Click here, or something like that, right? Or he'd see something on Twitter. And, and no matter where he was, he was out in the hills and, and hiding from everything and hiding from people and hiding from cameras. And yet, this negativity would still creep into his life. When we're guarding our heart, we can't just shield our schedule, We have to shield the things that we let in, shield the germs that we let into our life and the things that we let tear away at us. And if they're bad, we need to repel them. If they're not of God, we need to not focus on them. We need to speak truth and let them die. But guard your heart, guard your emotions, guard your life, guard your thoughts, guard your innermost being. Joy isn't a destination in life. It's a path that we choose to walk on. And to choose to walk in joy, we have to guard our heart. Next thing that we have to do is we have to own our emotions. We need to own your emotions if you're going to walk in joy, if you're going to walk in that path of joy. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, here's a sentence most of us have probably said. He just made me so mad. He ticked me off. You've got to stop and wonder, did that person really make you mad or did you allow yourself to get mad? Did they actually scoop you up like a goldfish from the pool of joy and put you in the pool of making you mad and just magically deposit you there and you had no choice but to lose your temper, to freak out, and and to start swearing, right? That's what you had to do because they made you so mad, right? They made you lose your temper. They made you so sad. They directed your emotions in all these ways. No, they, they didn't because when we let people do that, we give them power, over us and over our emotions. And no one has power over you or over your emotions. You're letting someone take you to these places that you're going. And so you need to own your emotions. 
Guard your heart. Part of guarding your heart is owning your emotions. How do you own your emotions? The same way you own anything else, right? It's, it's, it's yours. You don't go to your neighbor's house and say like, hey, I'm going to put up a fence here because I just think you need one really bad. No, but if, if you have a yard and you decided that you want a fence up, you, you say, I'm going to put a fence up here. This is mine. This is what I've decided. This is what the parameters are. And this is, this is what I'm going to do it. So when you own something, you can guard that something. And when you own something, you take ownership of it. You direct where it goes and what happens and, and you control its environment. And if you decide that something in your yard needs to look different, then you plant a new tree. Or if you need a patio, then you pay for that patio or you install that patio. When you take ownership of something, you control the environment. And when it needs to be made better, you make it better. And when something goes bad and you get grubs and you forgot to treat your yard or you didn't mow it for six weeks, you own up to that and you say, yeah, that was my fault. I see it, I own it, and now I'm going to work to make it better. When you own your emotions, you own what has happened, you own what's taken place, and you work to make it better. You don't deny something, you don't hide from something, you don't lie about something, you own it. There might be some failure involved in that, or maybe a downturn, but you say, this is mine, and I'm going to make this better. But some of us have been trained to to not own things, right? Right? Some of us have grown up in, in houses where people say things like, well, we just say what we feel around here, right? And that's just, that's just what you do. So if someone says something against you, it's their fault that, that, that you're mad. And so you're allowed to be mad and you're allowed to jump all over them and you're allowed to lose their temper and you're, you're allowed to, to blame it on them. And then that's just, that's just what you do in your family, right? Wrong. Because no matter what environment you've grown up in, no matter what friend circle you've grown up in, no matter who you hung out with in in school or where you work, there's no excuse for letting your emotions run wild. There's no excuse for not guarding your heart. There's no excuse for not choosing joy. And the only reason those things happen is because you're letting them happen. So I'm I'm not here to say that your family might not affect the way you think and the way that you want to react. But God's word doesn't say, guard your heart unless you're from an extroverted Italian family, and then it's okay to flip out, just like you see in those movies, right? I don't mean to pick on Italians, I'm sorry, I could have said Irish there too, right? But God, God's word doesn't say, try not to freak out unless it's what your mom did, and then she just kind of built it into your DNA, so good luck honoring Christ the rest of your life, that's going to be tough. No, God's word says, guard your heart, own your emotions, and that's for every person, every family, every personality, every setting, every situation, Joy isn't a destination in life, it's a path that we choose to walk on. How do we choose joy? We guard our heart. We own our emotions. The third thing that we can do is we can, we can make joy our job. But you're thinking like, but I, I sell insurance for my job. No, no, no. God lets you sell insurance so that you can serve him, so that you can honor him. And joy, if it's not present, needs to be your job. Scripture mentions many times that the joy of the Lord should be our strength. Sometimes I read those passages when I'm not happy and it's just this giant guilt trip. I think like, well, I don't want to make the joy of the Lord my strength right now. I'm not very happy. And yet in John chapter 15, a famous passage we've looked at before where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. We get really excited about that. He's saying that you can stay connected to me and I will give you life. 
He also says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And so when we choose to remain in Jesus, when we choose to stay connected to Jesus and rooted in Jesus and receiving life from Jesus, he says that our joy will not just be in our lives, it will not just be something that we regularly choose, but something that overflows from us, something that we can't contain. But joy is our decision because we know that joy is connected to staying connected to Jesus. And if we choose to disconnect from Jesus for the day, for the week, if we choose to not walk in the spirit for the day, for the week, we're going to see joy kind of trail off in our lives and, and maybe die down a little. And so how do you choose to walk in joy daily? You guard your heart, you own your emotions, and you make joy your job. What does it mean to make something your job? It means that when you get up out of bed, you know where you have to go that day and you know what you have to do. You don't say, hey, I'm employed by these people. Um, who cares? I want to go hiking today. You might have some vacation. That's okay. But you don't just wake up and say like, I have a job. I wonder if I should do it or not. I wonder, I wonder if I should care about that. No, you're committed to it and you know your role and you know the expectation and you're blessed by that. And that is your life and that is what you do. Make joy your job. Some of you see on any given week that I, uh, I like to, to bring this iPad up here. I like, to, I like to teach from this because it makes me way cooler than anyone who uses normal paper, right? That's, that's why I do this. It's, it, no, I'm joking. It's awesome. Uh, but, but when I bring a, an iPad up here to, to teach from, there, there are some weeks that maybe I, I can get off stage and think like, well, that message was mediocre. I saw someone actually saying, what are you doing in the back row? And I, I hated it, and I know it was terrible, and I, I shouldn't have said that. But if, if that happens on Tuesday, I don't like call the iPad into my office and say, like, you really dropped the ball, iPad. You didn't, didn't come through. I thought we, thought we had a deal. We were going to do that message together. It was me and you. We were going to hit a home run. People were going to be crying. It was going to be awesome. I was up there, had on a cool outfit, and then you chose not to do your job. No, that'd be weird to talk to an iPad, even though some of you do it, right? That would be weird to talk to an iPad because this thing can't give me something that, that I haven't put on there and put in it, right? It's just like your checking account. If you've put $50 in your checking account, you can't go and write a $750,000 check and just say like, didn't put it in, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need that money right now. In the same way that this iPad doesn't give me something that I haven't put into it. It's just reflecting the things that I've put into it. And your joy is the same way. If you haven't deposited joy into your heart and into your life, I wouldn't expect to see much of anything overflowing. And so the reason that we make joy our job is because when we program ourselves and when we put joy in our heart and in our life and we speak joy into our innermost being and our presence and our emotions and what we do and what we think and what we say and who we are, joy will overflow. Scripture tells us that. God's word tells us that. Joy isn't a, a, a destination. It's a path that we choose to walk on. And so we need to guard our heart, our, own our emotions, and make joy our job. But what does, that, what does that look like? Because we watch this movie and we see these things and we, we see how, how life happens. We see that sometimes we didn't want to control it, but eventually we find out that our parents are moving across the country or we find out that we've been let go from our job or we find out that we're going to get a demotion and not make as much money as we used to or lose our job altogether or we find out that we have trouble in our home and our kids came home at 4 in the morning when they were supposed to be home at 10.30 or maybe we find out that, that we want kids and we feel like God has called us to have kids and yet that is not happening in the timing that we want it to happen. There are so many things in life 
that we feel can attack our joy and rob our joy and come after our joy. And yet, we're supposed to read the Bible and joy's supposed to be there. Own your emotions, guard your heart, make joy your job. Yay, it sounds so good and so easy, and yet stuff happens. Things creep into our life, creep into our heart, and rob our joy and steal our joy. And I want to show you something today. We've, we've done this before many, many years ago, and yet I think it, it's a good description of, of what can happen. And so this is, our, this is our life. In my house, we drink out of mason jars because I'm from the country, and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm back home. So you can buy those at Walmart if you like them, right? But that's, that's our life, and, and yet sometimes things happen. Things creep into our life and creep into our heart. Things that we didn't plan on, things that aren't good, things that we didn't want, things that weren't supposed to go wrong, things that that weren't supposed to even be present, people that weren't supposed to be there, things that weren't supposed to be anywhere near our life. They happen. We had a plan. We wanted life to look a certain way. We had a timeline. We had people and friends and a job and an income and all of these things lined up and, and then life happened and it went a different way. And we're blue. See what I did there? You see that, John? See? All right, yeah. So, so, so we, we lose our joy. We lose our happiness. We lose the, the things that, that we were holding on to, the things that we were anchored around, the things that we were set on. We lose our joy. And so what does it look like to guard our heart and, and guard our emotions and own our emotions? And those things are good. But one of the greatest ways that we can do that is to make joy our job. And so if you would look at this cup, if you would look at it the way that it is right now, the concentration of, of Jesus is, is not doing too good in there. The concentration is, is not awesome. And so when your joy is, is threatened, when your joy is taken, when your joy is attacked, when joy seems like it's so far away, you have to change the concentration of your life. And so I want you to know this because I, I know that there are people in the room that are thinking like, yeah, well, I read the Bible almost every day and I pray and I'm here today and so I'm still not feeling joy. There are moments when your joy is threatened, when the concentration of your life, when your focus is threatened or taken away that you need to make joy your job. And making joy your job might not just be reading a chapter in the Bible that day might not just be saying a feel-good verse or listening to the river on the way to work because it always cheers you up. It might mean much more than that based on the size or the scope of the attack that's taken place. Sometimes making joy your job and changing the concentration of your life and your heart is a much bigger deal than that. So this is what it looks like to change your concentration. No matter how blue you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what's going on in your life and in your heart, you input joy into your life. You let God's word bless your life. You pray with people that God has put in your life. You ask them to pray for you. You're a part of your church, but you make joy your job. Yes, there are circumstances and things that you didn't control and couldn't own and aren't your fault, but they're there and they've made you blue. And yet when enough things are are put in, there's no room for a lack of joy. There's no no room for a lack of, of unhappiness. There's no room for anything that God didn't design for you. Sometimes when we make joy our job, it takes focus and it takes hard work. And it takes time and effort and energy. 
So I didn't want to pretend today, just say this magical six-sentence prayer and God will put a permanent smile on your face. No, there are moments and there are days when you will wake up very unhappy because you have lost people close to you or God has robbed, or you feel God has robbed relationships and certain things from you. And you will have to work to make joy your job, to guard your emotions, to block certain thoughts, to own your emotions and own your heart and own who you are and continually focus and meditate and study God's word and keep your attention on it so the things that you're giving your attention to take hold of your thoughts and the things that in your thoughts take hold of your life. It's not easy. But you can make joy your job. You can see joy take hold of your heart and your life. Joy isn't this magical destination like someday I'm a magical Christian, I will get there. Joy is a path that you and I can choose to walk on as Christ followers if we're willing to make that our job, if we're willing to work. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Lord, thank you for offering us joy. Lord, you don't offer happiness. You offer joy. We can be complete in you and through you. God, thank you for that wonderful promise. Lord, I know that there are people in the room that are struggling with many, many things. God, I don't want today to be fake or to gloss over emotion of relationships and struggles in family and struggles in marriages and fights with neighbors and losing jobs and issues with infertility. Lord, there are many things that are in our path that rob our joy. God, I pray that, that those things will cause us to trust you, to look to you, to hold on to your promises, and to pursue you. God, give us the power each day to choose joy, to choose you. Lord, to guard our hearts, to own our emotions, to make following you, to make joy our job. Lord, scripture says that we can take every thought captive. Lord, we can't do that on our own, but we can do that with you. So help us to think, what will lead me toward my Lord this day? What will lead me to my Jesus? What will lead me to my Savior? God, help us to choose that, to want that. Lord, I pray now as, as we sing, as we worship you, God, that you will let us do that. You will let us respond to your goodness with worship. Lord, help us to light up our world like the sun does when it comes up over the horizon. Lord, help us to choose to walk in joy. It's in your name I pray, amen.